0: Everybody and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. We are at the end of the month of January here in the year of 2023. Uh, I was just reflecting on the things last night, Bell. You know, you look at all of our teams, whether they're, well, there's only one team in season right now. So that comment would have gone very far. Uh, just all of our teams in general and all of them, just have some moniker of success in their their recent years. And it's really great to see, you know, just this all of this. Um whether it's you know the Kraken right now, you know the Rain winning the Shield, the Mariners making the playoffs for the first time in my lifetime, you know the Seahawks making the playoffs despite all their the things in the offseason, and and much more than that, you know, and it's pretty incredible to see that. And who better but us to continue to cover every single one of those teams, uh, including the Sea Dragons who are uh, going to start up their regular season here at the near the end of the month of February, but they're in their training camp right now. So, um. I don't know, just just really cool to see all that. You know what I mean? The Kraken are at the top of the Pacific Division. Uh, they had an all-star, but we'll get to that in a second, uh, why that's a controversy right now. Um, there's just so much that's really cool to see. And again, there's nobody else out there that's covering all of them like circling Seattle sports and doing so on a weekly show, like circling Seattle sports on Converge media. So uh, taking that all into consideration, we're going to jump right into our Seahawks news. There's not too much going on. We did our uh, season review last week uh, to look over the inc- uh, impressive 2022 to 23 season for our Seahawks. But uh, now's the kind of awards, uh, part of the year, um, there's some league news that's pretty cool that we'll mention when we get to that part of the segment. But first, we have some Seahawks related news. So, Belle, why don't we get over to that um, and look towards some, some not, uh, notable uh, award nominations?
1: Yeah, just like you mentioned, we do have some players who were uh, nominated here. So our AP Awards finalist, Geno Smith, was named the Comeback Player of the Year Award finalist. Um, K-9 was named Offensive Rookie of the Year finalist. And Tariq Woolen was named Defensive Rookie of the Year finalist. Now, I did read something that was kind of a I guess it could be a controversial tweet, but um, I'm going to mention it here because I'd like to get your take. The question was, what exactly did Gino come back from that would make him a nomination for this?
0: That's that, you know, seeing that tweet, um, hearing about that, that was just silly. I mean, come on, you look at the things the 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 definition of the comeback player of the year award doesn't just mean he came back from an injury, um, that that comeback player of the year award kind of stands for that as well as uh, just general improvement, which is a big thing and where you'd see Gino in, right, as well as you know that that's what it was, is mainly any sort of adversity that that player comes back from. You know, you look at some of these other nominations in the past, like Alex Smith winning the award after that gruesome injury he suffered uh, mm-hmm. as a Washington—well, I think they were just a Washington football team at the time. Um, you know, but stuff like that. I mean, these are guys. You know, Joe Burrow winning the award. I believe it was last year after uh, suffering uh, suffering an injury uh, in his rookie season, then you know, leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl last year. Um, I just think that's silly. I saw that. And the replies had that definition of what the comeback player of the year award really means and all that. So I just think that's silly because it's not just specifically for uh, like an injury. Right. I know there's things like most improved and I'm sure he would be in the nomination for that. Yeah. But I, I personally, Bill, I don't know anybody else that would take him out for that award. You know, it's, it's, stuff like that it's awards are always kind of controversial and especially with, with our rookies here and offensive and defensive rookies. Like I think Brock Purdy made it for offensive rookie after only playing a certain amount of games compared mm-hmm. to other guys like Chris Olave uh, and, and so on and so forth, you know, same thing with defensive rookie of the year. I would think stats wise and, you know, main stats wise and other stats underlying stats wise Tariq equal would win that award. Aiden Hutchinson had a, ho- a solid year. So did sauce Gardner, but alas, I digress. Um, you know, like, excuse me, the uh, MVP award doesn't always necessarily go to someone who has the most value to their team. It just might be who has the best stats. And that's not always mm-hmm. the case in terms of value. So, I, you know, there's always controversy around these awards, right? Uh, there are some that are just like mainly unanimous and that doesn't always happen. But I, I think it's silly that anybody would kind of question uh, Gino's journey and his uh, eligibility for that award. In my opinion, that's why I think about it. What do you think about that?
1: No, I thought it was silly as well. I mean, if you look at just his resume, you could pretty much derive that he was counted out as starting QB and was given the position and did a very good job in it. So um, just like you said, it's silly. And there's always going to be those people that have those like controversial comments. So not reading into it too much. Um, Very deserving for all three of our Seahawks to be finalists in those awards. Um, We'll move on to some league news here as that wraps up our Seahawks news for the week. Very short week. Um, The stage is officially set for the Super Bowl in Arizona. People are calling it the Kelsey Bowl as the Eagles and the Chiefs will both be playing in Arizona. Um, Most importantly or more notable here, it's the first time that two black QBs uh, will be starting in the Super Bowl. So and that's in NFL history. I mean. I, yeah, I don't know what more can be said about that. That's, it's great to see that these two young black quarterbacks are thriving in the league.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, you just look at both of those guys, you know, this is, this was kind of the, I wouldn't have really cared who came out of the AFC, you know, it was kind of like, okay, have the 49ers lose. And that was it. Um, But yeah, to see these two teams, that's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a Super Bowl. You know to, to see those high powered offenses um they've got some good defensive talent as well it it kind of it you know there's always the the sort of ideology about uh the two best teams in the league making it. sometimes it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: not the case I mean it's like well, they had to get there um I think this might have been that. You know what I mean? And Hurts and Mahomes, like you said, two young black quarterbacks that are going to continue to make their mark on the league. I know Hurts is in line for a mega extension. Mahomes is already the face of the NFL. So that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun to see. Uh, and I'll actually pay attention to that game. If it would have been 49ers <laughs> and anyone else, I would have been. Well, I would have watched out of spite, but, you know, I digress. But no, that'll be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah. As you mentioned, two teams that were at the top there, they were both number one seeds. So it is kind of crazy because I feel like you always can anticipate or maybe see an upset happening. So it's kind of cool to see both number one seeds at the top there. Um, we'll move on to some more news here. On the 30th, the NFL has informed teams that the salary cap for 2023 will be $224.8 million. That's up from the 208.2 million last year and 182.5 million in the COVID affected 2021. The Seahawks have 31.34 million in cap space per SPO track, sixth most in the league, and they would need about 10 million of that for the 10 draft picks they currently have.
0: I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it bell. But, you know, you, again, you subtract that $10 million leaves you with about 21 one, one. Uh, in the current spot. I mean, you've got the, the 10 draft picks, which is already a big deal. And I, I, I would doubt that Seattle uses them all in their original form. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some trading uh, just because it's Sean Schneider. Um, but having that tap space, you know, obviously you got to bring Gino back on a deal and there's some other key free agents that we noted in our season and review, um, uh, I wonder how much of that will be swallowed up by that. But it, it's cool to see that because for a while it was the Seahawks were strapped for cash. And even that uh, we might see some restructurings, cuts and all that. Maybe Again, trades could happen. So um, always interesting to see where the salary cap goes year to year. Um, but and it's nice to see in you know, like the top 10 for something like that, as opposed to like yeah. rush defense in the in the negative top 10. You know what I mean? So good to see that
1: do you think some of that goes to a replacement for cody barton
0: oh mm, that'll uh i'd like that to be a draft pick but i don't get what i want all the time so <laughs> i i don't know man there's some we might have to go in deeper deeper uh deeper scale for but yeah i mm, we, we went over that in the season review I just not not a fan uh,
1: Yeah, like you said, it's nice to see that they do have some money to play around with here and they're not looking too bad with the way that they ended the season. So we'll see what they do with their offseason moves here. And that about wraps us up for our short NFL segment here. We'll move on to our Seattle Mariners.
0: Yeah, considering the how it's been lately with the Seahawks shorts and understatement, um, <laughs> nothing too groundbreaking or I guess you could say uh, we'll, we'll keep it short like we did with the Seahawks segment, but the Mariners announced some high performance hires for their staff for the 2023 season. Matt Rutledge will join the Major League Head Strength and Conditioning coach role. He's a new hire. Uh, Derek Cantiani. Is the major league assistant strength and conditioning coach i know with uh, you look at the rotation last year for the mariners knock on wood we don't want to take any chances they were relatively healthy and they gave you a lot of innings throughout the course of the year you, you know when you think about that it's not really necessarily just the player that's doing that you think about the the staff the high performance staff that's behind this keeping these guys healthy right uh tyler torgerson is the head athletic trainer taylor bennett the assistant um Same Kevin Orlowski, Uh, both of those two paths that I previously mentioned are assistant athletic trainers and Kazuhiro Yamamoto is the manual therapist. So again, you think about the day to day these guys go into once, like when a starting pitcher goes out there for his outing, he goes out, say he pitches seven innings on a good day. He has to go in and rehab for hours his arm after that, especially if it's a seven o'clock game, he's into the night. You know, doing that sort of stuff and you have good strength and conditioning coaches, good athletic trainers, all that sort of stuff. They keep these guys healthy for the long haul, especially over a 162 game season. You know, so you think about that sort of thing over the course of the year. So you make sure that these are good hires for your ball club. Again, when we talk about the success of these teams, it's top to bottom. It's not just the players that you sign. Sure. Um it, with the uh, NFL segment we just talked about Pat Mahomes he cited one of the trainers for keeping him healthy the whole year mm-hmm. you know stuff like that i you know it's important to give these guys credit you know because without them you know can can do all this stuff and again especially over the course of a 60, 162 game season my apologies so you know just that to note uh, i talked about it being the end of january you know, pitchers and catchers reporting, uh, February 16th, we're getting really close to that we're getting really close to Mariners baseball Hearing the bat on the ball, all that sort of stuff. It's, it's, uh, I miss baseball. I really do. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked to big O about it. He, he echoed my sentiment. So, you know, we're really looking forward to get back to our Mariners coverage, getting back to Mariners baseball, you know, hearing those great voices. Um, Aaron Goldsmith is returning this year. There was some uh, thought that he might take the St. Louis job, but you know we'll, we'll have the same great voices on our broadcast crew. Really excited for it. So uh, we go from a short baseball segment with some, some happier tones to our stress-inducing uh, storm segment where we're still wondering uh, what Brianna Stewart will do when it comes to free agency. So, Bell, why don't we take a look at Stewie?
1: Yeah, still another short segment, but some bombs were dropped over the weekend. So on the 29th, it was announced that Brianna Stewart has narrowed her free agency decision down to two teams, one of them, of course, the Storm, and the other, who I don't think is a surprise to anybody, the New York Liberty. Um, what I think might influence her decision here, and you can tell me if you disagree, but our other piece of league notes here on the 28th. Candace Parker announced via Instagram that she is signing with the Las Vegas Aces. After having spent two years within her hometown of Chicago, CP3 will rejoin her old teammate, Kelsey Gray in Las Vegas.
0: That's no. just ridiculous. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that even, even Candice Parker is Candace Parker, right? But even the, the one after that, that you and I were briefly discussing before we jumped on here with uh, Alicia Clark, former Storm player joining Las Vegas. You know, I think uh, we, we talked about it. Vegas will have to make some corresponding moves um, in order for that to fully fit cap-wise. But this is just ridiculous. You know, this is like KD signing with the Warriors. You know, uh, I don't I don't know what to say, really, how this is going to work, who's going to challenge them. You know, um, I, I, like I said in our little chat, I don't know even if, if I don't want it to happen. I'm not saying it will. I don't want it to. Uh, if Stewie and Courtney Vandersloot join the Liberty if they could put up with Vegas, you know what I mean, um, fully healthy. That is, um, obviously, of course, long season things happen. So um, I would hope it doesn't. I mean, it makes that's the problem with all these arguments about where Stewie will go. Right? Is that the arguments for the Liberty make a lot of sense with being closer to home? Um, her partner Marta is lives in uh, is from Spain. It's closer to Spain in terms of travel wise. You know being part of that she's you You could effectively say that stewie has done all that she's given her all to this city right and i wouldn't be angry at her for that decision i wouldn't it would be unfair to do so but also you think it's sue bird was at an impasse as well in her career when she had the time to go home because remember she's from that part of the the country as well and she decided to stay here and carve that legacy Brianna Stewart is very well on her way to earning a statue as well. Here, I'm not saying that she will right now. Well, and Sue hasn't technically got one officially, but it's <laughs> it, it should be a given, right? Um, but it, it it's, it's a tough case. It really is, you know. And you argue, you could argue that if you bring Stewie and Vandersloot here in Seattle, you would have a super team with Jewel Lloyd. Right. You still got Izzy Magore Mag- Mag- At a young, talented piece there. You get Mercedes Russell back, healthy for the course of the season. Things hard to look good. You still have to add a lot uh, in terms of bench roles and you know the draft picks will be valuable. Who's well, Vandersloot's your point guard, but who's your point guard for the future? Right. But I mean, if you're able to bring Stewie back, you very well could have the opportunity to have a Stewie Lloyd. You know, star pairing here in Seattle for the course of their careers. If you do this right, now obviously uh, for GM Talisa Ray, this isn't the easiest thing to do. You know, because again, this is this is a tough decision between those two teams. Like I said, Bill, I didn't think it was going to be what was it, Washington and uh, Minnesota. Minnesota, I didn't think those two had a chance. I thought that was just laughable, Um, and it turned out to be. So I don't know. I, I it makes. That that's the problem in my mind is that it makes sense either way where Stewie decides to go for these teams, but I have some counterpoints. You know, you talk about the super team part of it again, Sabrina and mm-hmm. John Jones, but that will hurt you in terms of who else you can bring to add to that roster, right? Who all, how are you able to fill it out? So, yeah, it's 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 tough, and I get both sides of it, but ultimately, um, let let's just say this in my heart she comes back in my brain. She goes to New York. That's just how it is. That's just, you know, that's where my brain's leaning personally, right? We got to give her, I can't be indecisive on this sort of thing. I don't know. What what do you think about the whole thing?
1: Um, I just would hate for her to be influenced by the moves that the aces are making and feel like she has to form somewhat of her own super team in order to be able to compete. Because like you said, what team that's fully healthy is going to be able to compete with that starting lineup. So, um, And even, and you could even look at it on the other side of the spectrum is if you're going to fight, you're going to fight with the team that you have anyway against a super team like them. So possibly staying with the storm. Um, I just, I don't know. I really, uh, I didn't think we would expect, or we could expect to hear anything anytime soon. I knew the Candace Parker news was going to kind of sit for a while and then maybe we'd hear about Brianna, but, um, I'm remaining hopeful. <laughs> um, like you said, it makes sense for both, but it's just, it's the, the aces had have, have made it really tough to compete against them when they were already a championship team and they've only added such good puzzle pieces.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean them trading away dierica uh, De'erica, Yeah. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's that whole situation's tough as well. I don't know if you saw the way that unfolded. I but know. you just think about their starting five. You look at Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Grays, there Aisha Wilson, Candace Parker. Those are just four players. That's ah, it's it's ridiculous, but it like like we said also in our little chat, these super teams don't always necessarily amount to an immediate trophy. That's why they play the games, right? So it's it's definitely something to note. Definitely something to worry about, but all I'll say is this next week over the WNBA will be Pretty wild. I can I can assure you that. And uh, our, our thoughts go out to all the WNBA front office and PR members. Mm-hmm. who are going to have to deal with the storm that's coming. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. And I, <laughs> look at that. So uh, unless you've got any final notes, why don't we head over to our sounders who are overseas?
1: I will say one last thing, and that's that KD, in my eyes, is tampering already being with a New York team, and he, now he's asking about Stewie to Sabrina and ask you like, no. <laughs> he tell
0: it. KD that he's supposed to have more ties to Seattle than New York. You know what's exactly. that all about?
1: So, <laughs> that's true.
0: Uh, whatever you know, I'll worry about that when it comes, and hopefully we have better updates for you in turn uh, in regards to Stewie uh, next week. With that, we head over to our sounders, who we finally have uh, past games to look at. We don't have any real... Mm -hmm in-depth stuff to go into but the sounders played two preseason matches over the course of the past week they were not streamed they were not open to the public they are in marbella spain uh, at this current point in time as they prepare for the club world cup they played uh on gen two two matches on january 28th versus wolfsburger ac which is a nothing-to-nothing draw that was mainly consisting of the starters for the club uh some chances but ultimately fry and co are able to get the the clean sheet while the offensive unit was given a clean sheet as well on the other side of things. And then the same day, a squad of mostly reserves versus hammer BIF. Uh, a loss, a three to two loss, mostly reserves. As I mentioned, Freddie Montero scored a goal uh, in the first half. S- Seattle scored. Uh, what was it? Yes. Uh, Georgie uh, Minenogu, who is actually a record signing for the Tacoma defiance. We'll have more on that. When we get our CSS uh, minor league stats, uh, I mean, the count going up. Um, Scored as well before the half, giving Seattle a 2-1 to lead. Seattle would give up a corner goal at the 45th minute and later concede in the second half, unable to answer and lose that one as well. I'm not too concerned about any of that, really. Again, it's preseason. Some of the stuff that I will note, though, when it comes to these preseason matches um, is sort of the injuries and some updates that we got on some of those, most notably Paulo. So we look at those... um, As you can see, Zhao pictured here on the 24th, it was announced uh, via a well, not announced, but we learned via an interview that he did that Zhao Paulo is at about 90 to 95% fitness. He said he might not be fully cleared in time for the Club World Cup, but he will be able to start for the beginning of the MLS season. He did all of his rehab in Seattle as opposed to his home, Brazil, uh, because his family has already settled in here in the Pacific Northwest. So that's kind of cool to hear. Um, Otherwise, other updates. um, Some people have been wondering about Obed. Vargas on the 27th, the young midfielder was a f- announced that he'd been a full participant through the training uh, and was with the first team throughout their course of time in Seattle before leaving for Spain. On the 30th, though, the days uh, after those two preseason matches that we mentioned, uh, Obed Vargas and Dylan Tevez missed those games due to minor injuries. So, again, you hear minor, you hope it really is minor, right? Um, but hopefully it's nothing to worry about quite yet. Um, Some team notes here on the 22nd was when the club arrived in Marbella, Spain for the preseason Uh, on the 26th. We found out that um, with the whole preseason, there was some worry that Seattle was only going to play those two preseason matches. Uh, They announced that the club will play a friendly match against Louisville city in Seattle on February 18th. There's no news on whether that'll be open to fans or not. I would hope that would be, but you know, with, the opening of the arena and such it's uh, maybe that's a um starfire that's all we know is it's going to take place against Louisville City in Seattle on the 18th of February. So maybe hopefully we'll get that to stream as well so people can watch that. We can get some actual notes um, from that match as well. Uh, looking ahead outside of we we don't have too much outside of that. You know, we have some injury updates, those preseason matches. We don't even know who the Sounders will play yet in their Club World Cup match. But we do know when it'll take place and who the possible options are. Um, so that'll take place on February 4th on this, So it's this Saturday at 9. 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. I know that the Sounders are hosting an official watch party at the Armory. Um, Sounder at Heart, a SB Nation uh, outlet uh, that's like, obviously covers the Sounders, is doing one at Queen Anne Beer Hall. So, I mean, those two are like a few blocks from between each other. So it doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, they'll either face Auckland City from New Zealand or Al-Ali SC from Egypt uh, in that those two will have to play, I believe that's on the 1st, whoever those teams uh ends up victorious out of seattle will face and then if seattle's able to beat one of those respective clubs they will go on to face spanish powerhouse real madrid and that that that's just like the stuff of dreams to to face yeah. a club with that sort of history of that sort of caliber at, the, at that point i know that the sounders have talked about just being happy with getting into not being happy with just getting into the world club world cup but i think at that point i would be okay with losing to real madrid yeah. so you know That is that for our sounder section. And, you know, we talked about it at the height of the show, but the Kraken have essentially been the highlight lately just because they're the only team that's been playing lately. And they're doing well. (laughs) You know, they're doing well. We have some highs and some lows from this past week. Why don't we get into our past week of games, Bell, uh, as Seattle closed out a three-game homestand to lead us into the All-Star break.
1: Yeah, more highs and lows here on the 25th against the Vancouver Canucks. There was a win, 6-1. to Our player of the game there was forward Jared McCann with one goal, two assists, 3.6 shots, and four on goal. Our second player of the game was forward Oliver Bjorkstrand with two goals, two points, and four shots on goal. Um, And I believe that is the game that he was flirting with that Hattie there. So moving on to the 27th versus the Calga- Calgary Flames unfortunate loss 5 to 2 our player of the game there was John Hayden with one goal one point one shot on goal and his first of the NHL first NHL goal of the season on the 28th versus the Columbus Blue Jackets another win 3 to 1 player of the game there was forward Alex Swinberg with one goal one point seven faceoff wins two takeaways four shots in his 600 career NHL game and we have a second player of the game here for that game too, Philip Grubauer, with 25 save attempts, 24 saves, and a .960 save percentage. You want to dive right into our players of the week, or what, do you have comments here for our three games? <laughs> no, nah, let's let's go
0: into it, man. I mean, this is fun. This is a lot of fun, right? I know Cuddy's been out to some of these games. He's been talking about them uh, in the last few weeks. You know, this this is this hockey team's been a lot of fun, right? I know this is a for some, this is a brand new sport. You know, we look at it, it's, it's, it's hard to get into. I know every fits you and I in this in the Black Media Matter studio here, we discussed how it is tough to get into this sport. You know, money-wise, it's a predominantly white male sport. It, it's tough to get into, but with the fast pace of the game and the winning ability of this team, I mean, just follow us and we'll, we'll keep you updated. I promise you that. So, you know, you look at these things, you mentioned Philip Grubauer and that player of the game there, he's playing well. Uh, Martin Jones has been playing pretty solidly as well throughout mm-hmm. the course of the year. Some people have questioned the goaltending ability. Dave haxall mm-hmm. said, we don't listen to the news. We quietly have thought that our goaltenders have been solid all season. You mentioned, um, where was it here? Oh, he's my player of the game. So I don't know if I just want to give that away, but you've gotten contributions from up and down the forward line. We look at John Hayden. He got called up from Coachella Valley, um, due to some injuries around the, uh, Around the roster. We'll get to injuries in a little bit in the later part of the segment. But there's again contributions up and down the line. And that's been one of the main stories of this team is its depth. Its forward's depth has been incredible. Obviously, we look at the ability of this offense, the way that they've been able to score goals. Uh it's it's been incredible. You know, so it's this team's a lot of fun. They are at the they're in first place in the Pacific division. Uh, no tiebreakers needed. And that's pretty impressive to think about where they are at the all-star break this is not at all where I thought this team would be heading into this season. You know, again, I, I talk about it all the time. Uh, Ron Francis, general manager, Ron Francis had a, a three to five year plan for this team to make the playoffs. And I thought that was reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's an expansion team. You're new to things. Uh, Vegas, Vegas's expansion draft made things a lot harder for your expansion draft because Vegas kind of manipulated the system and was able to get good trades out of it. Uh, Seattle was not as a result of that. So, you know, it's it's a lot of fun to see this team. It's it's great. There are a lot of great characters on it. Um, players who, whether they're number one overall draft picks like Manny Beniers, uh, they're high caliber Sannings like Andre Burakovsky, or they're guys who got claimed off of waivers a few weeks ago that were essentially casted away, like Ellie Tolvanen, who I went with for my player of the week here. Uh, so Tolvinen, um, over the last week, Three goals, three points, six, I mean, pardon me, eight shots, one hit and one block. He's riding a three-game goal streak. Uh, Again, the waiver pickup from Nashville has been very critical to this team's success since joining them and since getting into game shape um, and getting on the ice for Seattle. Just a, a wicked shot. But his defensive performance as well has been really big. We wrote about that. I wrote about it. In my player piece on Tolvenin, that just sort of started out, it sort of started out as just being how he's been acclimated to Seattle, how he's getting used to Seattle, and it went into sort of his defensive background and who he was as a player. I'll, I'll sum it up a little bit, but you should go to a, um, the blog page of Converge or our Conver- uh, website on the blog spot and uh, just a little bit, it's not too far down, uh, it's on L.A. Tolvenen. And in, in Nashville, he was told a bunch of things, hey, you should play the bumper role on the power play where we need you to score goals. He wasn't given clear direction. He was told to be more focused on his defensive game. As a result, that's why he is the defensive player that he is now. But he was told all these things by the Nashville front office, and he was never given any sort of consistency or direction. And so he, he talked about it in a quote uh, after the last game. He said uh, earlier in the year, hockey wasn't very fun. And then he says, since coming here, it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, you mm-hmm. like to hear stuff like that. Um, and it's just awesome because he's a guy that contributes. He was he was a little bit shy when I went to talk to him. I don't blame him. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, and, you know, with the three-game goal streak, it just made the most sense for me. Um, and since learning about his story, I've just, you know, you pull for the guy when you learn about these guys' story. So, uh Kind of the same way I felt about Philip Grubauer here, who you, was your uh, player of the week. Why don't you tell me a little bit uh, about that decision?
1: Yeah, just like you said, you pull for the guy. And um, I feel like I needed to be on this guy's corner because it feels like a lot of the time people are not. So 24 saves on 25 attempts and a 960 save percentage, like I think that speaks for itself. Um, and I just think that it needs to doubt all or quiet all the doubters because... Grubauer gets a whole lot of criticism and most of the time I would say that it's not even his fault. So just had to give him his flowers and show him some love because I feel like he needs a lot more love.
0: (laughs) Bell, we don't need to go into the the photos again like we did a few weeks ago, right? We're not going to do that. Uh, No. I got a comment on uh, one of our blogs it was after the colorado game that said i was feeding his ego now i don't get paid by philip grubauer i don't know the guy personally but it's it's not that hard as long as you're not a box score a box score watcher or just a casual that's why we're here right that's why we're here to break these things down for you go into the games that's why in the articles i don't just give you a full summary of the box score that's not the point of these things right yeah dive into the main storylines of the game and usually that's not the case right i will give you you know. In Grubauer's last season in Colorado, he was a Vesna Trophy caliber winning goaltender, right? He played in front of some great talent in Colorado. That's why they won the Stanley Cup last year, right? I mean, Kale McCarr is incredible. They've got a great team in there, right? He'd come in here with a new team, uh, <laughs> with some bad defensemen, and then an expansion team, right? They don't have that chemistry like the, the defensemen in Colorado did. It's just a whole new... How would you like it, Bell, if I took you right now from your scenario and I dropped you in like, uh, let's say Kentucky and I expect you to do well in your new situation right away it's unreasonable and yeah. just even now this year since injury he's uh, been incredible in the month of January has a nine three four save percentage which is tops in the league top 10 in the league I believe you get the point it's just ridiculous to think about just to blame the goaltender. That's not how it works. If you're a fan of hockey or soccer and you just blame the goaltender and you say, he's just supposed to save all the attempts. It's just ridiculous. Again, it's not why we're here. You know, if, if I wanted to be here and see, look at the game against uh, the Kings earlier in the season, right? Where it was nine to eight. I just said, I, I just look at the box score. I said, wow, the goaltender sucked. It wasn't necessarily the case. You know, again, it's not why we're here. It's It's just not that hard. I don't try to, there's no agenda here, you know. Even Martin Jones, Martin Jones has had great games. He was a guy that was supposed to be just a replacement for Chris Drieger until Chris Drieger got uh, healthy, and now he's got the third most shutouts in the league. Um, He's one of the highest winning goaltenders in the league this season. You know, wins aren't a goalie sport, a uh, goalie stat though. Anyway, it's it's. I just find that comment ridiculous, and. Again, that's why we're here, right? You know, it's, it's we don't just come here to tell you the box score of these games, right? We're going to tell you what happened, and we're going to tell you the scores. That's not why we're here, though. So um, anyway, that just fires me up, right? You know, so all of that being taken into consideration, this is sort of the negative part of things here. We look at the sort of injury-related news bell. Why don't we take a look at what happened at some of these players, including uh, why one of them isn't headed to the All-Star game?
1: Yeah, um, unfortunately, and you can tell us more about oh, um, that specific hit there because you were there to witness it, but forward Matty Beneers left the game against Vancouver with a head injury after a dirty hit from Tyler Myers. He missed games against Calgary and Columbus. Um, I, I'm going to get you fired up again because I need to know like your thoughts and if you saw the hit as it happened and why – Nothing was done about it.
0: Yeah. Well, so the NHL has had a couple uh, incidences with Seattle where the, a player of ours gets injured and we don't see a resulting action. It happened earlier in the season. Uh, I believe it was against, it was against Florida. Pardon me, the Florida Panthers almost in Washington. Um, where Justin Schultz went into the boards hard on a hit that was just unsanctioned. It was away from the puck. Uh this one was just absolutely egregious. Uh Tyler Myers is about 6'8 as a defenseman for Vancouver. The puck was away from them. The play was away from both Myers and Beneers. And I my it was funny because there technically was a hit uh leading up to it by Beneers, but it was, you know, if you look at the replay, it wasn't anything. Maddie just kind of like. It's like if I jumped into you jokingly for like uh, like a yeah. chest bump or something. It was it was very weak, right? Um, and so as a result, I don't know if Myers just didn't like the guy or what, but Myers comes back. Veneers is in the center, the high slot, all alone, and he just completely decked, and again, Myers is six foot eight. Maddie's around six foot one, two. And Beneers isn't even looking at him. So he gets blindsided by the hit and completely flies. And I mean, this might be really hard to hear, but his head bounced, like it legitimately bounced off the ice. Um, and normally Maddie, anytime he gets hit, look, look for this. Um through the course of the season, like later on when he's back. But if he ever gets hit hard, he always bounces up immediately. He always gets right back up and gets back into the play. He was very slow moving, um, getting back into the play. And that was kind of the first indicator, like, hey, something might be wrong. Um, So, yeah, that was really hard to see with Maddie, because, you know, head injuries are always a scary thing. You know, we know that from the course of all these sports, but you just you just hope that he's going to be all right, you know, and that's why it was announced today. We'll just get this out of the way now. Yeah. He's been announced as out for the All-Star game. Las Vegas Chandler Stevenson uh, will replace the rookie, which is a little bit odd because the NHL has made it such a big deal um, for every team to have representation at the All-Star game. And yet you give Vegas another All-Star and Seattle doesn't get any despite having multiple All-Star caliber players. It seems a little odd, doesn't it? As well as the fact that the NHL did not give any punishment or consequence to Tyler Myers for his hit on Baneers. Again, completely out of the play, completely unnecessary, blindsided, all of that, and resulted in a head injury. Baneers was – this last part might be more on the coaching staff than anything else, but you could also say that the league should have seen it and prevented it from happening. Baneers was out for two minutes and then played three more shifts before being pulled um, before the start of the third nice. period. You talk, about, you talk about player safety, not only not giving Tyler Myers any punishment, but also the ability... Because the NHL has spotters at these games. I don't know if you know that. The NHL has spotters at these games to see stuff like that and to prevent stuff like him getting back on the ice. And yet that still happened. So this is the failure of the league, in addition to the failure to put a Vegas player and to mean that Seattle will have no representation at the all-star game outside of Bowie, the mascot. So, yeah, you get me fired up, that, that's that. You know, it's just just a little bit ridiculous. Um, and, and Seattle's hurting right now. You know, I've, I've got the little thing up on me uh, right now. But, Bill, why don't we go over uh, the other sort of injury news that we have for our Kraken?
1: Yeah. Uh, on the 27th, Justin Schultz was placed on IR. On the 28th, Junas Donskoy says he has has, he had his seventh concussion at the start of the season and that he still hasn't been able to practice because of the persistent symptoms, has had vision problems, vertigo and headaches. So, um, I mean, it doesn't sound too good to, to me. Do you think we see him this season?
0: Um, this was something I had been wondering a lot of Kraken fans had been like, hey, you know, Jonas Donskoy, is there proof of life? Like I've seen him in the tunnel post game, you know, because usually those guys, they show up and they they usually watch from the press bridge uh, if they're injured. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's been around like I've seen him after morning skates in and like workout gear. He hasn't been on the ice. Um, I know that he with this report about the concussion, he's he's stated concern because uh, he said he wants to be a father, uh, he said a functioning father for years to come.
1: Yes.
0: Um, you know, he's got, at the, at the skill showcase, he had, his, uh, he had his child out there on the ice with him, which was a really cute scene. Um, he was the team captain uh, against Team Drieger. Um, honestly, I, it, just like, I, I don't know if it's the same scale as Tua, but I, I would just say, hey man, you gotta focus on on your life. You know, obviously this game does a lot and it's a lot of fun and all that and, you know, blah, 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 but you got to prioritize your health and your family. So I think it might be the end of it. It's kind of curious why Seattle hasn't put him on long-term IR, which takes his contract off of the books technically. And I mean, with, with, I mean, I wonder, I don't know if it's the same thing. I don't think it's the same thing that we saw with Mercedes Russell, where it was like these reoccurring headaches, right? But she just couldn't get going throughout the whole course year so um personally i think you know I, i'm not gonna say this is i'm not a doctor first and foremost but i just out of abundance of caution i would say it's it, it should probably be it. you know he's had a successful career he's had a successful career you know he's spent some great time in san jose you know he was people were rooting for him to score he had a, he had a struggle scoring goals last season people rooted for him for that uh just a, a great guy to have around um and hey, maybe he joins a team in some sort of other role, right? But I think just for uh, abundance of safety, it should probably be called quits.
1: Yeah. As you said, things are looking a little tough for Seattle. We'll move on here and wrap up our injury news and move on to some team news. On the 24th, the team recalled forward Jaden John Hayden from AHL Coachella Valley. On the 27th, they recall forward Max McCormick from AHL Coachella Valley. And on the 29th, they reassigned John Hayden and Max McCormick to Coachella Valley. Um, the Kraken have reportedly been linked to Ryan O'Reilly in trade discussions as well. O'Reilly has scored 10 goals, has six assists for 16 points through 37 games played this year with the St. Louis Blues. O'Reilly wears the Captain C for St. Louis and has been has since 2020. Um, on the 30th, um, as we mentioned, it was announced that Maddie Beneers would officially miss out on the All-Star game. So very unfortunate news. Um, it's just it's really a damn shame. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. for my language there. But.
0: Oh, no. I mean, you're not wrong. You know, so it's uh, yeah, it's really tough to see that you'd like to see Maddie in his, all, in his rookie year be able to participate in that. You know, it's it, it it's unfortunate. But just to touch on the Riley O'Reilly thing there, it's very interesting to see. I know I talked about the offensive caliber, offensive firepower that Seattle has. It's very interesting to see that they've been linked to players like Timo Meyer, like Ryan O'Reilly, like Bo Horvat in trades, mm-hmm. all offensive minded forwards, um, all like talented veteran forwards that would require a decent haul. Um, O'Reilly has, you know, 16 points with 37 games isn't like the like greatest thing in the world. But I mean, the fact that he wears the captaincy also might drive his uh, his price up. It's yeah. it's just, I, I I won't guarantee that Seattle will get any of these trades done uh, this year. But to note that Ron Francis is interested, he, he sees where the roster is right now and is like, all right, <laughs> these guys are already... Into some sort of a contending space. Why don't we add to that already? Why don't we strike while the iron is hot kind of thing? So very interesting to note that. Again, I don't want to guarantee that any of these will happen, even with posting that this O'Reilly trade, that the Seattle's been linked to his name in discussions. I'm, I want to be like, hey, just a precautionary thing. I'm not saying they're going to get him, right? Because the, the post we had about Meyer and Horvat, both of those gained a lot of interest and a lot of like, whoa, whoa, like, here he comes. It's like, Hold on,
1: <laughs> slow hold it on. down
0: hold on, right, so uh, just a note for that, but yeah, really really sucks to see Maddie not be able to participate in that. I know he that would be a blast for him, and just unfortunate that the league made that decision to send a different player from a different team to the all star game as opposed to keeping that every player gets represented idea, so like even last year with Seattle, Jordan Everly made it in Seattle you know I, I don't know if you saw the record last year, but they were last year, so i just <laughs> unfortunate to see all that, but they're, they're not bad anymore. Bill, why don't you tell me the uh, the standings and such, and what's next for them?
1: They currently sit at a 29-15 and 5 record, first in the Pacific with 61 points, and looking ahead, we have a short break coming, as we've mentioned. February 4th is the NHL All-Star Game, so we got to wait until, I believe, the 7th for some more Kraken hockey.
0: That is correct, and normally I'd say watch the All-Star Game because Maddie's in it, but he's not going to be in it, so that's... <laughs> frustrating as all heck so we're going to move over to something that's not frustrating uh the oil rain have announced their preseason roster uh which is you know this is kind of like with the trades like this isn't finalized stuff this is just um it's tough because some of these players will likely not make that roster and like it won't join the club and it's like well there are some cool names on here that you'd like to see so we'll get into it here um The team on the 24th announced their 2023 preseason roster. They have already headed down to LA to begin their training for the preseason. Uh, All of their players have joined them there. Um, Starting with goalkeepers here, uh, the goalkeepers on the roster are Claudia Dickey, Laurel Ivory, and Fallon Tullis-Joyce. So, uh, Fallon, I'm looking at my great uh, Fallon. It's like uh, she's a marine biologist so i've got her she's got like a tentacle design here like a, uh, a squid or a kraken that my friend bella gave to me i'm looking at that right now and no changes from last year it doesn't seem like the rain are going to bring in another goalkeeper to add to that group it seems like they're happy with those three um and the defender side of things lou barnes ryan brown who is returning from loan uh that she spent the last year on loan with um alana cook Sam Hyatt, Shay Holmes, who they drafted from the University of Washington. Sofia Huerta, Jimena Lopez, who it's Jimena's birthday actually today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so happy birthday to Jimena. Uh, Alyssa Malanson, Maphobia McClernan, and Emily Sonnet, who they acquired via trade on draft day. Uh, so not too many surprises there. Obviously, the draft picks Sonnet from trade. Um Melanson and McLernand were sort of depth pieces. Jimena Lopez is someone that the club is excited about, just haven't been with with the talent that they have had on the back four, have not really been able to work into the fold yet. Uh, And it's very interesting to see if Holmes will be able to work her way in there as well, because Laura Harvey had very, very high praise for her coming out of the draft. Mm -hmm. Um, We look at the midfielders here. Yes, the midfielders here. Angelina, who is still dealing with a season-ending injury. So she hasn't officially been actually cleared from injury yet. So we're hoping to see that change. But yeah, there's there's no official clearance from her season-ending injury, which was a knee injury. Um, Olivia Athens, Marley Canales, both draft picks from last season. Just Fishlock, the Dragon, in the 2021 MVP. Of course, back Rose Lavelle. Quinn, Nikki Stanton, Nikki Stanton, just getting re-signed last year, uh, well, this past offseason. I apologize. Olivia Vanderyat and Natale, uh, Natalie Vigiano, who was also a draft pick for the Rain, as well. I mean, the midfield group is really, really stacked. You look at that, uh, that those three in the middle there, and Fishlock, Lavelle, and Quinn. That's those, those three are all world class, and I don't just say that to give praise. They're all regularly on their national teams. Uh, you look at Stanton. Stanton's been a quality veteran for years in the NWSL uh, out of North Bend. So if you're from North Bend, Washington, I mean, stand up, do a little dance or something like that. Um, Olivia Yat proved to be valuable throughout the course of the year after being drafted out of the University of Washington. Uh, Angelina has showed great spark when she's been healthy. Obviously, she had that injury and that kind of uh, took a hit to the club's depth at the midfield. Athens and Canales are very interesting uh, in the middle there. Again, this is a loaded midfielder group, which is going to make it tough. We then get two forwards here. Uh, Bethany Balser, Elise Bennett, who the club acquired via trade, uh, who's also out of the uh, Washington State University. Jordan Haitema who you've seen pictured. Uh, Ziara King, Veronica Lasko, Mariah Lee, who has actually spent a uh, stint with the rain prior uh Megan Rapino, of course everybody knows Pino and Mackenzie Weinert a club preseason uh invite to camp out of the University of Washington as well so it's going to be a very interesting uh offseason here that continues it's going to be tough it's going to be tough to to make these cuts and to get down to a final roster um but a, a lot of talent and the big thing with the rain that's been discussed since the last loss. And even before uh, this year with the loss last year in the semifinal is how the rain will get over the hump, right? I had a long discussion about this with another uh, rain analyst and it was like, is this going to be something that's internal, right? You look at some of these talented teams uh, and you wonder how come they just couldn't get over the hump, right? How come they've got all these talent, they go to the playoffs regularly. They just can't win the big one. Um, I'm trying to think of like comparisons to that, but you know what I mean? Uh, So it's like, hey, are you expecting players like Rose Lavelle, like Bethany Balser to take it into stardom, uh, to superstardom, right? Are you expecting some of these rookies that you have or now second year players to make that extra jump and to fully push you over? Are you going to make another move over the course of the summer um, to really get you there, right? Like what you did with Jordan Heidemann, are you expecting Heidemann to take that jump? So it's going to be really interesting to see how that happens or maybe you know all the cards in the deck line up perfectly for the rain this year and it finally happens they finally bring home an then title right so it's it, that's something that's really been puzzling you know because you look at the last few years outside of the COVID year where there was no playoffs and it's just been semi-final loss semi-final loss semi-final loss um you know which has been tough Obviously, so something to note there. Uh, but it's really exciting to to get back to that again. The only thing that's not exciting about this segment each time is that we don't have the NWSL schedule yet. I did. I can't plan for these things. You know, we don't we don't know when these th- uh, games are going to take place and all that. When I'll be at Lumen Field and when Bell's going to be at T-Mobile Park. All this sort of stuff, right? Maybe we get Bell out to Lumen Field, right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, have the damn schedule. Uh, <laughs> In addition to the preseason roster being announced, uh, the club picked up the options um, for forward Elise Bennett and Emily Sonnet, uh, keeping both players signed with the team through the 2023 season. It makes sense. I mean, why trade for them uh, either on draft day or the day before and not have them be here, right? Unless something bad happened. So in addition to that, on the 27th the club announced its 2023 technical team again with the Mariners we talked about the importance of the front office whether that be the general manager down to the head of athletic coach to assistant coaches and something i talked to a rain uh, a rain front office member about this actually one of the sounders uh, world cups watch parties is that they've hired a lot of people in the front office um over this off season and really been able to settle in and just bring in more people to help the club, which is a good thing to hear, right? You don't necessarily want one person doing this and that, and that, like I know Everett, when I had Everett here to interview, he said he was at one point the mascot. No, he said he was everything but the mascot for the team that he was the broadcaster for, right? He was a PR guy. He was doing this and tracking payroll and getting the buses uh, set up, right? Which is insane to think about, you know, to put all that pressure on one person. So, you know, Let's get to that technical staff that I mentioned here. Um, so in addition to head coach, Laura Harvey and head assistant coach, Scott Parkinson, who has joined the team in the offseason, the rain announced that they will be adding four members to their team. Assistant coach, Kate Norton, who has pictured uh, her, uh, Norton's coaching experience includes time with the University of Arizona women's soccer team and the U18 and U20 youth national teams for the United States as an assistant coach. Uh, Norton holds a USSFA license and a USSF Youth National Coaching License. Head athletic trainer, they have brought in Jordan Carmosino, Carmosino is an experienced athletic trainer who has an extensive background in sports medicine with skills in athletic training, sports performance, and injury rehabilitation. See where this can get important. Um, He has a doctorate from Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions uh, with a concentration in athletic training. Previously, Carmosino worked as the head athletic trainer for Case Western Reserve University and USL2 and WSPL side Dayton Dutch Lions FC. Equipment manager is Labno. Labno makes his return to the rain after working as the equipment operations manager from 2013 to 16. After departing the rain in 2016, he continued with the U.S. soccer um as an operations specialist and has worked as the equipment operations manager for Orlando City Soccer Club. Some of these things you think about, some of these matches where maybe the clits don't the, the cleats don't fit right. Um they don't get traction, right? You're slipping inside over. You need quick change, right? Something like that. Equipment manager, boom, very important. Uh and then this is what interested me. Video analyst Kevin Paneda. So Paneda currently holds his USSFB license and has nearly a decade of coaching experience at various levels, including a stint with Loyola Marymount University women's soccer team. At LMU, Pineda was involved with recruiting, coaching, scouting, video analysis, marketing, and branding, and curriculum curriculum development. Prior to LMU, Pineda served as the head coach for the Beach FC Girls 2004 and 2005 ac- Academy teams, as well as an assistant coach for the Los Angeles Harbor College <laughs> Women's Soccer Program. The resume is you know, the some resume. Speak for themselves, but you know why that interested me is the video analyst part right to get someone in that's going to help this club break down film, you know, again with the equipment manager being able to be properly equipped for these matches and whatever might uh that job might bring uh, head athletic trainer again. I talked about the importance of the durability of these athletes keeping them healthy getting them back from injury the right way and assistant coach just to have that other mind, you know, Sam lady was so valuable to this club and obviously Kate Norton isn't the head assistant coach. But even so, you know, having another mind to help you see these things, help work with the players and all that, it's very important to note these sort of things. So we're very excited to get back into rain soccer, rain football. Um, When we find out the schedule, again, I have no idea when that's going to come out. Um, And even my, my friend who gets a lot of insider information has no idea. So if she has no idea, I have no idea because, you know. That's that um, in pretty important league news. It was announced on the 27th that the NWSL will add three teams uh, for expansion. Uh, so the Utah Royals will come back. there, a club that's already been in the NWSL that's already been previously announced. But so Boston and San Francisco slash Bay Area will both get clubs uh, for expansion. Boston and San Fran will pay a record pay, not play, pardon me, a record setting $50 million expansion fee. Boston's a very interesting case for me. Uh, San Fran makes a ton of sense. Stanford, uh, Stanford women's soccer is really, really good in the state of California as a whole. So that's really cool to see. The only thing I don't like about that, what does that mean, Bill? Expansion draft. So mm-hmm. yeah, not a fan of that. I think we'll have to deal with that uh, next offseason. Uh, but it'll be really cool to see the branding, see what the logos are, see what the team names are. You know, Maybe have a, a rivalry with San Francisco, with Boston, uh Utah, Laura Harvey coached uh, the Utah Royals when they were existing. So some some fun storylines. But again, the expansion draft is what immediately comes to my mind. But this is good for the league. This is good for the league and its growth as a whole. So Uh, Taking all that into consideration, all of my word jumble, uh, we don't have anything that's news related for the Seawolves, but they have their first preseason game coming up uh, this upcoming week. So why don't we kind of get dates for that and who they're playing?
1: Something to look forward to here on the fifth. They will face the American Raptors at 730 p.m. And that is our current um, looking ahead schedule here.
0: Yeah, so that's all they've got um for now, which is I mean again it's not too much, but just just to get you excited, you know, this is a club that's going for their third title in the league. They're the most decorated club in the MLR. Uh the atmosphere at Starfire is incredible, you know, just for how small it is relative-wise, you know, capacity-wise they get really loud in there and they 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 show out you know i know that it's in tuckwilla which can be tough for folks you know it's not like necessarily the biggest area um but they really do show out for their seawolves uh rocky the seawolf again our buddy here i don't want to move and ruin the focus but i've got our i've got to see bell so i can give bell for rocky the seawolf sticker uh, i really appreciate rocky for that um the new they've got some new of folks in PR, so we're gonna work with them. Uh, it's a lot of fun, it's a lot of fun. We have some interviews that we're working on right now to get set up uh, with Wolves players, you know, we, we're, this rugby team, it's it's really exciting to see this mix of football and soccer, well, American football and soccer, right, in action, you know, some of these hard hits, some of these great plays, it's a lot of fun, it's a lot of fun. So I'm going to encourage you, if you can, they're not breaking your wallet with the ticket prices, mm-hmm. Um, it's a really great atmosphere. It's family friendly. So, you know, the only, the, the weird thing you'll see is me sitting in the back of the tri-zone, uh, crisscross applesauce with my laptop, trying to not have a 200 pound man made to come entirely out of muscle squish my laptop. That's the only thing like, why is this guy sitting back there? Oh, he's moving us. Oh, because he almost got squished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to deal with that a few times last year. So please, if you're a sea wolf and you're seeing this, please do not squish me. I am a small man. I am not in my athletic prime anymore, and I cannot deal with that. So um, regardless, the Seawolves are a ton of fun to watch, and I'm really excited to get back to covering them starting on Wednesday at that 7.30 start time. So – um. Similar vein. We don't have any real news for them, but the sea dragons have some uh media day pictures and it just get some ex- excited. I know there was some controversy with the uniforms and the colors and all that, but I don't know. I like these pics, but why don't we really take a look here? That's we see funny. Ben Danucci in the the white, the helmet, the helmets would really excite me. Right. So you see the mm-hmm. white, you see the XL logo, the Under Armour. They got the dragon on the side. Right. That's fine. We got Josh Gordon here. Look at the green stripe on that helmet. Tell me that green stripe. I, I like the green stripe. That's where I'm at. Yeah, like I the colors
1: do. Yes, the colors do complement each other very well.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I like that there. I like the sleeves on Josh. Really excited to see him play. Um, see, see, I'm not. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I really am not. Um, so yeah, this was media day. Uh, we'll go through it right here again josh there ben Danucci. i'm excited i'm excited for it there they had media day they're down in the xfl hub down in san antonio with training camp taking place and all that um so not sure when they'll return to seattle but really looking forward uh to our our Sea dragon season so why don't we wrap up here uh with our seattle star of the week um your pick made a lot of sense And again, (laughs) like, like we do with these, with these picks that we have, right. I tried to go for the sake of difference from you. And I went with all the teams that are approaching their (laughs) preseason. Look at that. Look at that. Isn't it exciting? You know, the Mariners, (laughs) you know, pitchers or catchers report on the 16th of February, the rain, they're already in their training. They don't have, again, we don't have the schedule, but they're, they're fast approaching as well. The Seawolves, they have a game on, uh, Oh, shoot, I almost said Wednesday. That's the next game. They have a game this weekend. The Sounders are already in their preseason. The Sea Dragons, I mean, they're in training camp, and their season begins later in the next month. So, you know, right now...
1: Things are like, going to get busy.
0: Ebbs and flows right now. The kraken only team playing. But look at that. That's going to hit you like a truck. And we're going to have all these teams back, and it's going to be exciting. Summer will hit. You know, and think about that, Bell, with how cold it is today. You think about the sun and... Mm-hmm. Been able to wear a T-shirt, you know, all that sort of stuff. I've got my Bailey Klingler hoodie on today. UW softball starts in 10 days, folks. Uh, keep an eye out for that. But, um, yeah, things are going to get really busy here. We're going to have all of our great photographers out getting photos of these things. We're going to have – Belle's going to be on site for some of this stuff as well. You know, we'll, we'll get out to different things. It won't just be like this game happened from the Kraken and then here's offseason stuff. We're going to get into things. It's going to be really exciting. Speaking of the Kraken, you went with the Kraken. Uh And I think you mainly cited their great turnaround. why don't you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think we've mentioned it before, but the goal this year was to be better than last year. Well, last year they scored sixty points in eighty two games this year we have sixty one points through forty seven games, so stats kind of speak for themselves there, and they're just they're doing great. I mean, they just beat the calgary flames i for was it for the first time or I'm sorry the um Columbus no. Was it Columbus?
0: Oh, they beat Columbus for the first time and Vancouver. Yeah, so the, those two okay. teams were the first time ever. So there's only two teams I haven't beaten before: uh, Tampa Bay, who they don't play again this year, and Philadelphia. And they play Philadelphia twice in February. So yeah, their turnaround has been it's been excellent. So I mean, unless you got anything else to say, I I completely agree. You know, the points it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. I don't know how many games you've been able to to witness, but it's been a, it's been some great fun
1: only one and i can back up when you say Kraken hockey is fun
0: <laughs> bella uh yeah bell picked a, a great game to come to that uh, new jersey game that they won in overtime i was like oh we came out for that and i was like i think after the game i was like that was pretty fun huh anyway sure. so you know we talked about the preseason for these come teams coming up a lot of exciting stuff for our Seattle teams again we're in a great age for seattle sports and nobody is covering them like circling seattle sports is and we go over them every single week here on converge media 4 p.m monday what else could you ask for all of them in one spot and then we get them all in individual segments for you so that you can watch the teams that maybe you only care about so until we see you next week, take care of yourselves. Stay warm out there. Maybe get yourself a Bailey clean. Maybe get some Kraken merch. I don't know. But take care of yourselves. Be well and do whatever you can to make today uh, a great day.